What happens if you look at better places to intervene in the systems for post-consumer fashion? Welcome to the Circular Economy podcast. I'm your host, Catherine Wheatman, and I started this podcast to help people discover why circular, regenerative and fair solutions are better for people, planet and prosperity. Some people think going circular means swapping a few materials or making things a bit more recyclable. But that's nowhere near enough to create a healthy, resilient and zero carbon world where we can all thrive. Many organisations are missing the game-changing potential of going circular. The disruptors in this space are using circular strategies to reimagine how to create value for all their stakeholders. They're doing better with less. We'll hear from those inspiring people who are challenging business as usual and rethinking how we design, make and use everything. You'll find the show notes and links at circulareconomypodcast.com where you can subscribe to podcast updates, my Circular Insights newsletter and check out my award-winning A Circular Economy Handbook. Welcome back, it's episode 113, and thanks for listening. Firstly, I'm sorry that this episode is a couple of days late. I've been working long hours over the last few weeks, preparing for an unexpected invitation to go up to Edinburgh and give a talk to members of the Scottish Parliament about their circular economy policy plans. And then a workshop and talk for Shannon Chamber of Commerce in Ireland. I didn't manage to get this episode put to bed before I travelled to Ireland early on Sunday. Anyway, enough about my workload. In this episode, we hear from Stephen Bethel, a thought leader and pioneer in the post-consumer textile space. For over 20 years, Stephen's been creating innovative and relevant solutions to the crisis of stuff. Stephen is co-founder of the Bank & Vogue family of companies based in Canada. This includes a major remanufacturing plant to implement the circular economy for textiles by working with big brands and taking post-consumer waste and then transforming it into new products. Stephen is also behind Beyond Retro, the largest vintage retailer in the UK and the Nordics, which launched in 2002 and it's now got 15 retail outlets and an online shop offering a wide selection of hand-picked vintage clothing. I'm hoping to drop into the King's Cross branch when I'm in London this week. When we donate clothes and shoes to a charity shop, how many of those end up being put on display and successfully sold? You might be surprised by the stats that Stephen shares. Stephen explains how he looks at the leverage points in the overall system to work out where Bank and Vogue could get involved and how to retain more value, in particular by reselling. Stephen then took this further, finding ways to repurpose and remanufacture clothing and footwear at scale. Stephen explains how this works in the Beyond Retro retail business and how he then looked upstream to develop remanufacturing services for a major US footwear brand. Stephen thinks at a system level, looking at the whole value network both upstream and downstream to see where he can intervene to make the biggest impact, and how to generate the critical mass needed to create value and overcome the sticking points. In his spare time, Stephen lives off the grid in the Canadian wilderness and he's an avid woodsman, fishing, paddling, and learning about the outdoors and its many wonders. Let's hear more from Stephen Bethel. Stephen, welcome to the Circular Economy podcast. Oh, thank you very much for having us. I, re- I genuinely appreciate this. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to talking about a couple of your business ventures. There's some really fascinating stuff in here that I'd like to unpack. So could we start with Bank and Vogue, um, which has been going for quite a long time, and could you tell us what what it does? Yeah, so uh, Bank and Vogue, um, we started uh, 25 years ago 
Uh, I think if you walk into our our office in Ottawa, Canada, uh, the sign says "Innovative and Relevant Solutions to the Crisis of Stuff." Uh, so, what does that sentence mean? Uh, so, Bank and Vogue, we we buy from charities and private collectors, used clothing, shoes, purses, belts, homewares, um, and and find homes for it. And we do that at scale. Uh, we're finding homes for roughly three and a half million garments a week of secondhand uh, clothes. And in in that really is uh, finding them uh, both domestically in the U.S. and Canada. So we 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 buy from charities and private collectors mainly from the U.S. and Canada, and we find domestic uses and international uses for that product. Uh, so really, uh, you know, we 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 play in this stream of secondhand clothes that's um, generated. Um, both North America and in Europe. Mm. And given the massive variety of types of clothes, condition of those clothes, materials, and so on, how on earth do you create a, a valuable resale stream out of those? You know, it's, it's uh, the, 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 um, the interesting thing is about context, right? The, 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 Finding a, a new home or a new place is really about trying to align what we refer to as the value hierarchy. There is value in the, in the clothes. It's, so the question is trying to find the home for that and, and trying to find it at some sort of scale. Um, that value hierarchy and preserving the value hierarchy is really the critical element of the circular economy. Uh, you know, so there, there's quite you know, quite a lot of talk about uh, fiber to fiber recycling and, and, you know, which we can get into later on, but really um, it's, it's about trying to find the best reuse case for product as a first step. That's, that's really a critical element of what Bank and Vogue does uh, and does that at scale. So how do we put the clothes in the hands of either graders or resellers or thrift operators, uh, and how do we do that? Uh, you know, uh, sort of at, at scale is really critical. Mm. So can we unpack that at scale part a bit? Because I've done podcasts with um, people working in Africa who talk about you know the bales, mixed bales of garments arriving at um, Cantamanto, Cantamanto in Ghana, and the difficulty for resellers of even working out whether that particular bale is going to have more than a couple of usable garments in it so because i as i understand it your model is very different to that so could you kind of talk us through how you do this at scale operation and what happens to the garments yeah i i think it's really helpful to kind of back up um, and, and sort of pull the sheets back on how the whole used clothing industry works as, as we are one of the critical players in it. And, and it's also why I'm keen to do podcasts like yours is to, to let people understand, um, you know, at least share at least my lived experience after 25 years of the trade. So uh, to, 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 to back up, it, when you donate a clothes to a to a charity in the U.S. or in Canada or, or frankly in in Europe, uh, what typically happens is the charity will open up the clothes, and will, in, in assuming they're a thrift operator, will put 50% of what is donated on the shop floor. Somebody makes the decision: Hey, this is a sellable item, or it's not a sellable item, for their store. Um, of that, a typical thrift operator has a 50% sell-through. So in other words, 25% of what is donated typically to a charity is sold in a domestic uh, uh, operation. Now, th that product, the, the remaining product is bailed up, uh, which is referred to as mixed rags. The two things that we, that Bank & Vogue sells at scale is uh, containers of mixed rags, that is the product that didn't go to didn't sell in a charity shop or 
we also sell uh, and buy and sell containers of unsorted clothes that charities collect and just have too much of, which is referred to as credentials. The number one market for used clothes in uh, from the United States is not in East or West Africa, but is, in, is actually in Central America. So a country like Guatemala, uh, where there are 15 plus million people, 85% of the population buys secondhand clothes uh, and wears secondhand clothes. So we sell to retailers in those markets, and they actually have like a 90% sell-through. Uh, of the product that they uh, that they uh, bring in, and I, I, I think so. Um, that resale component is really important uh, for, in 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 to contextualize Guatemala. Let's just kind of blow that up a little bit. You know, uh, Guatemala, even though it's in Central America, has it's a very mountainous uh, country. Uh, they have workers that that pick coffee beans, let's say, in mm. in the hills of Guatemala. It's really cold, so they're happy to have the you know to be able to buy a value proposition of a used garment, um, and you know if it has a little mark on it or a stain, it, as a working item, they they don't you know they're that's uh, but specifically uh, the mixed rags that we sell to to graders and and sorters. And here's the nuance about clothing that I think is often left out in conversations. You cannot put clothing in the same category as cardboard or glass or cans uh, or paper. Clothing uh, has brands, it has colors, it has fit, it has style. And the biggest challenge and the threat to our industry is all of the low-end clothing that's being produced. Hmm. And the amount of that low-end clothing going into the same bales, so it might be in good condition, but the quality ha- is declining. The quality of the actual merchandise. And I agree with your central point that the biggest problem is the very low quality of of the clothes that are going into the market these days. Not just the materials, but the workmanship as well. That makes them maybe difficult to alter because there's, you know, there's hardly any um, uh, hem size or, you know, the seams are <laughs> are only a couple of millimeters, so you can't take take things in and out. Um, there's probably no spare fabric. You know, I remember the days when, with a with a shirt, you'd get spare buttons <laughs> sewn inside and I've had garments before not not shirts I don't think but jackets where there'd be a little patch of the same fabric just in case you needed to so none of that happens anymore but let's let's think, and, 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 and on that point too you know in the 20s and 30s men's trousers were always taken in on the back uh, seam and there was always left fabric that you could make them wider or bigger mm. um and I, I, I do want to bring up one other really important point here. Just I think that is lost in the conversation is that my biggest lament about the the super fast fashion clothes that are coming in is the negative impact it's having on the social enterprises within Europe and America. If 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 a greater percentage of material of clothes that are coming to charity shops are of super low value. And if the, the greater majority of material comes in at really low retail put-out price within a thrift store, it is not only affecting, um, you know, the, the, there's an environmental cost here, but I think something that's not spoken about is the social cost. Because the, the, the thrift operators in the U.S., whether it be the Salvation Army, the, the Goodwill, or, or uh, whomever, they need this material to uh, to fund their social enterprises, mm. and if the quality of the goods that are coming in are going are being degraded, um, then the the economic viability of thrift operators is really under threat. And more importantly, uh, is that their ability to do social good within the communities is really affecting. So this is this conversation is much greater. Uh, it, it is a global problem, and it is a real threat to, uh, you know, to uh, something that you know to those, those social enterprises across across the globe. Mm. And 
you know, I, uh, I think that one should really pause on that conversation. Mm. Yeah, I think you've made a really good point. And though, of course, you know, it's unlikely when we when we know what the business model of those fast fashion brands is all about, it's unlikely to even um, cause them to to stop and think for two seconds, I, I would guess. But the whole fast, cheap movement undermines everybody's wish to, to kind of care for things. If you've only paid a couple of pounds for a for a shirt, are you even going to be bothered to take it to a charity shop? Or are you thinking, you know, if I only paid two pounds for this when it's new, how much money can the charity shop possibly make out of it? So I'll put it in the bin. So there's there's just all sorts of downsides from that model. But just just to kind of lead on to one of your other organisations beyond retro, when we spoke before, you talked about trying to behave like the beaver, the keystone species in the fashion ecosystem. Could you explain a little bit more, more about that? Because I found that absolutely fascinating. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, uh, true confession, I, I, uh, I, I highly recommend the book uh, Regeneration, how to, um, uh, how to solve the climate crisis in one generation. And one of the one of the topics it speaks about is this concept of keystone species. What is exciting about Bank and Vogue and what we have been able to do over 25 years is this concept that was written in the book um, uh, Regeneration: How to Solve the Climate Crisis in One Generation. This is <laughs> there you go. Is I'm I'm enamored by this sentence about Darwin was wrong. It's not that, that there is the survival of the fittest, but really what happens is species thrive because of keystone species. And so the example they use in the book is that when, you, when they shot all of the wolves in, in uh, Yellowstone Park, there was a, a species collapse. But, you know, and in Canada, being a Canadian, uh, there's no good conversation without bringing in the beaver. Uh, the beaver comes along to a creek. He, you know, they... They dam a creek, they create a pond, and that activity, that activity of a keystone species creates fertile ground for many other uh, species to live. And it's the plants, it's the frogs, it's the fish, it's the, the, um, um, you know, the waterfowl. And what Bank, what Bank and Vogue as a company does, going around collecting and sorting and, gray, and, 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 and basically uh, being a centrifuge for used clothes has created fertile ground, has been a keystone species to create other opportunities. And one of them is, which I'm really proud of, is Beyond Retro. Uh, so all of the clothes that are in the Beyond Retro are actually, a uh, small secret, is are all, are all actually rejects from thrift stores throughout the United States. So this is the product that they couldn't sell. But really, the joy of Beyond Retro is taking the trends of the day and reflecting them uh, with used clothes. Mm. How can we look for the trends, but then uh, at scale, we, we our, our sort of secret sauce is not just to have a, a, another secondhand store, but really have a curated offering that celebrates the trends or the stories of the moment through, through used and so, you know, our, our first store, uh, which was in Shoreditch, um, you know, really was about could we have a curated offering and could we make and our 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 big statement 20 years ago is could we make an impact on the landscape of fashion through used? Could we be so hubris to say we could stand as a proud building or a silhouette on a very wide landscape uh, in the UK, and and that's that's a, that 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 at the time was 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 an audacious sentence, and I, I'm certainly glad that I stand with other you know shadows uh, you know beyond retro stands with other shadows in that landscape, but but it but it it is really fun to participate in a transformation of what um, fashion can be. It doesn't have to be brand new mm. so could what 
what kind of things might I see if I was going into one of the, it's about half a dozen, isn't it, beyond retro stores all in the UK? What what kind of things would I see? What could I buy? Yeah, so, so and just a point of reference, we're, so we're both in, we're in the UK, Sweden and Finland. Um, and so, um, and I think that uh, uh, what are in the shops uh, are a an inclusive selection of products that will uh, that reflect the trends of the day. So everything from uh, you know your your favorite pair of jeans to your to your uh, favorite flannel shirt. Um, but something that we've you know about fifteen years ago, one of the challenges with the with the vintage business is you can only put out what you can find. So 15 years ago, we set out this idea of what if, could we could we take relevant fabric and cut them up and make them into something new? Uh, not necessarily your thing, but uh, in a, a really great example this summer is we cut up old leather jackets and made uh, leather corsets out of them. So, you know, corsets are very much on trend. Uh, there's a lot of really great leather that is either oversized or damaged. And so we set up this remanufacturing division of the company um, 15 years ago. And that's, so when you walk into Beyond Retro, it's, it's a celebration of, of, of the trends of the day, but also um, a reflection of, of, of history as well, you know, in, in our clothes, um, you know, from 50s dresses to 90s dresses to now 2000s. Mm. And just linking that back up to what you were saying about getting the, the, you know, the kind of critical mass for things, that example of the leather corset, would that be from one style of leather jacket that you've managed to find tens or hundreds of, or would it be from a whole variety of leather jackets that are deemed suitable to be repurposed into this? That's it. It's uh, those. Um, the key is to, as we sort and grade uh, and buy from sort and graders, we're we're buying a, 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 um, and we're using as an input. The key again to this concept that we sort of started out with of this uh, value hierarchy is that uh, the item uh, was damaged or it was uh, oversized or there was uh, or or the style was outdated. Um, and it not necessarily a specific item. The key with with what Beyond Retro does on the on the remanufacturing is everything that we do, uh, and we will make not tens, not hundreds, but thousands of items uh, with all unique leather jackets, as an example for the for the corset. And and the really fun sort of journey on the remanufacturing, and and I we see this. As going back to um, you know uh, the the regeneration book, we we see this as a path this uh, as a path to a low carbon manufacturing, you know it, it, growing the fiber or growing the the the, the leather um, obviously is really carbon intense. So if we can if we can make things from things that have already existed, um, you know there's there's easily an 80% reduction in, in carbon savings. And I think what we're really celebrating at Bank and Vogue and, the, and this keystone species, this ecosystem that we have created has allowed us to do, uh, and another thing that I'm, I'm really excited about talking about is the, um, the work we've done with Converse. This idea that we can, um, you know, and it is an, an evolution, the, the um, this, um, this environment that we've created has like, taught us tools as we have figured out how to remanufacture or upcycle at scale for our 17 stores across Northern Europe. It, it gave us some really unique skill sets, which is sorting to scale, uh, being able to cut to scale. And it was amazing that five years ago we started working with uh, Converse with this idea of could we make at scale the upper for the Chuck Taylor shoe and the amazing people at the, the innovation team at Converse really had, had been on an upcycling journey, uh, you know, prior to us sort of joining forces, but the beyond retro uh, Converse collab 
and that partnership of making the upper for the Chuck Taylor shoe. We've now done nine uh, uh, drops with them. Uh, the first one was uh, a blue denim, and we've since done uh, corduroy. We've done uh, velvet. Uh, uh, we've done uh, flannel. And really, it's taking within that ecosystem that we've been able to create this stream of used clothes, our ability to sort to a trend or to a fabric, our ability to cut has really given us the skills to um, to be able to put used as an input to new manufacturing. Hmm. So this idea that we wouldn't necessarily make an entire thing for a brand, but we would only make an element for a brand. In the case of Converse, it's making the upper. And I think this idea of reimagining how manufacturing can work has really come out of this ecosystem. It is our you know, a result of the Beaver Dam, which is Bank and Vogue, and this material arriving in one place, our skill sets of being able to sort and grade, demonstrates that that maybe we don't need to cut down velvet trees to make a velvet item. We've got lots of velvet. Imagine, imagine that Americans buy 450 million pairs of jeans a year. Mm. The average life expectancy of a garment in an American closet is two and a half years. Mm. And so I put forward this, you know, the challenge to the brands and through, and this is uh, um, the third uh, silo of our business, which is the Bank of Oak Services. Um, really, uh, it is to go to brands and say, you don't need to make more denim there's 450 million pairs of jeans made every year. Why don't we take the existing denim and make something out of it? Mm. And, and it is. And so the, the partnership with, uh, Converse, the beyond retro, uh, Converse, uh, upper is a shining light that remanufacturing or upcycling at scale is possible. And that's, that's, that's another bold, audacious sentence. To, to really kind of relook at uh, manufacturing techniques um, at scale, uh, you're not going to make. We're not. We're not trying to make ten of something, or a hundred something, or even a thousand of something. We want to make. We want to make a dent on how things are made, mm. and that's 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 a really exciting. And so again, it's this concept, and I'm circling back to it where we started. The life that we operate in is maintaining the value hierarchy of, of garments. It's first resale domestically. It's secondly resale internationally. Thirdly, it's you know trying to pull out those cherries uh, and, and, and that pixie dust and, and fill the beyond retros. But if we can find relevant fabric and say, wait a minute, it, it, maybe it's oversized, maybe it's damaged, maybe it's, it's, it's unrepairable, can we use and maintain the value within the fabric and can we remanufacturing it at the remanufacture it into something at scale? Mm. And I think that that certainly you'll see in the, in the coming months, some really exciting drops that we're doing with other brands in the same stream um, where we are making components for them rather than making the whole item and demonstrating this again, this, maintenance of the value hierarchy mm. and what, um, what kind of reaction are you getting from the designers at, who work at the brands and and from the customers you know the the, the i think the really uh, somebody said this in a in a meeting that i was in the last a, a month ago in new york uh and they said there isn't a design student that's coming out of school right now that doesn't love upcycling or hasn't done it for the last five years the designers are absolutely not uh, in any way the gated item for this to happen for the brands. Um, and the customers, just as they enjoy the Beyond Retro experience, where uh, which is mass exclusivity, everything is, is different in the store, I think that there is a real embrace by the customer of, uh, and, and despite the say-do gap, there are customers that are out there that want this product, that are they're recognizing that the planet's been the warmest it's ever been in a week that, you know, we have tornadoes in, in where I live. We've never had this many tornadoes. I think 
I see hope that there is a customer that not only wants this, embraces it, and celebrates it. Where, where do we have the challenges? The challenges is brand leadership, making those hard decisions to say, you know what, I got to go to my shareholder and say, I got to give up margin to make our company future proof. Mm. And that's that's super tough. But maybe it's not um, maybe it's not giving up margin. Maybe it's giving up revenue. But getting more value out of the thing that you've made at the beginning, you know, if things were designed to be repairable, be suitable for repurposing in better quality fabrics, like we were saying at the beginning, that have got more resale value, then there's the opportunity for the brand to get involved in helping keep that thing in reuse um, and keep it in the system instead of just trying to pump as much through the system as possible and making making what seem like good margins but having to pay for all the cost of the overproduction of all those online retail returns that must cost them a fortune of paying for all the marketing for the customer churn for the people who you know I think um, to go back to Sheen again I think their customer retention rates were as low as 30% so to me that says an awful lot of people are taken in by the advertising and by the supposed limited quantities of you know this new design that's just come out that's only available today buy it it arrives they realize just how shoddy it is in terms of its materials its craftsmanship and probably its fit and then send it back and how many of those customers decide never to buy from sheen again i i don't think any of those costs are really being added up by the brands because a lot of it it's like lots of things isn't it there's that saying gradually then suddenly when your inventory and and the amount of stock that you're writing off every year because it's unsold when that goes up you know, one or two percent a year, people don't look back 20 years to think, wow, <laughs> how bad has this got? When you're increasing your inventory levels and having to pay for more warehousing and that's only going up a little bit every year and your business is getting bigger, you kind of lose track of just how much space you had to begin with. You're paying more for, for customer acquisition and so on. People have lost track of whether marketing actually works because you know all the numbers are given to you by the people <laughs> the people whose business is the advertising and i and i think so many businesses if they look back at, at the history of their business and the history of all those intangible costs i think a lot of brands would find this is costing them more than they thought and if and going back to making things that people love treasure want to kind of, you know, see see the value in it and want to either give it away or resell it. I think there's more margin in that. Less revenue, sure, but more margin. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, 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 I certainly think that um, future-proofing your brand uh, is really is really about sticking to those quality and, and you know, that, that, that really... I think that that really resonates with, uh, you know, quality construction, quality fabric, quality, you know, trims, quality, you know, just it, it certainly, you know, it, it, it sings true. I did, I did, uh, I know, I know we're coming on time, but something that I do, I, the last thing that I'm really keen to celebrate, um, is, um, the, the last sort of lane of, of what we're, we're working hard on, uh, in our initiatives, on this value hierarchy conversation is the fiber to fiber recycling. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm very proud of the work that we've done with, uh, renew cell, uh, the Swedish company that's figured out a, a way to, instead of using wood pulp as an input to their viscose fiber, they're making, they're makers of dissolving pulp that make the viscose fiber, the stuff that's inside the shiny stuff inside your suit jacket. Uh, that has been made for a hundred years. Uh, they had figured out a way to to take cellulose rich or cotton rich material and use as an input for uh, uh, the manufacturing of the dissolving pulp for viscose fiber. Uh, 
And that heavy lifting that, that you know, uh, over the last, uh, so almost six years, we've done with them about uh, working on trials, working on inputs, and to the point of supplying them at scale um, uh, with, you know, literally millions of pounds of used clothes that is sorted, graded, and has gone through this value hierarchy. Can it be reused? Can it be repaired? Can it be remade? If it's failed, all of the things above can be an input to fiber to fiber recycling. And I, I believe that the, that Renewcell is really a shining example of what is possible in the future. And if you think that, and what I think is, is really quite amazing and, and to your point about <laughs> value product, somebody, a, a brand like Levi's, who's used the uh, circulose, that's the fiber that Renewcell is making the, the, from their pulp, and is uh, put it into their Levi 501, uh, the, the 150th anniversary. I think that's an example that we all need to take a, a cold glass of water and go, here's some, here's a brand that is embracing circularity. Here's a brand that is making a quality product. Here is a company that really has pushed the boundaries on taking. And, 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 and what I really love, and I think an untold story on the, on the, on the renew cell side, and maybe they tell it, I don't know, is that, um, you know, I, what Bank and Vogue does is we we find value where others don't, and what's really fun is that Renewcell is taking uh, pulp mills um, and repurposing them, repurposing pulp machinery uh, that had been abandoned and put it into a not only into a, a new purpose but an innovative purpose and a circular purpose. And I'm uh, so we 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 are there are other chemical and mechanical recyclers that we are working with to develop. Uh, streams of product um, but I think this it's certainly uh, it, I, I am one should never be proud shouldn't be proud but I am proud of that work it's hard it, it is work um, but it's but it's a good work and it's and it's definitely what we see as the fu- the possible future of circularity in textiles is you know going through that value hierarchy doing that honest work and then at the last saying, hey, here's a stream that can be turned into the inputs to new fiber. Mm. That's that's exciting. Yeah, I think you're right that that's the last the last key in the system, isn't it? And to be able to do that fiber to fiber recycling in a way that, you know, is in a closed loop. So there aren't awful chemicals ending up in watercourses and do it, do it in a you know, maybe do it with renewable energy and so on. And find a way to do it in a kind of distributed way so that all the clothes don't end up having to be, you know, end of use clothes exported to Sweden to, to come back elsewhere. But I'm sure all of that is, is infinitely possible. So I think it's, it's certainly a very hopeful and, and innovative story around that. So Stephen, over. Yeah, no, I I was just going to say, I think, I think we all need to give, runway to innovations um and 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 there will be a, there's a myriad of why this won't work but i applaud those that are and applaud the brands that are courageous enough to take those plunges mm. uh and that's and that's what it is it's just two elements it's courage and work mm. you know so anyway i apologize and no, I, no, I feel like i'm no, apostatizing no, 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 i think i think you're right and i wasn't meaning to sound cynical and I, it's just that, like everything else, to an extent, you need the critical mass to bring in some of the supporting innovations to then make this work, as you, as you keep saying, to make it work at scale and to make it work in a way that creates a better system, a better solution for the entire system, the entire value chain, not to end up with something that where I've seen on, on, you know, in other examples where brands are extolling the virtues of their recycled material, but then we find out that recycled material creates more microfibers or that there are 
horrendous chemicals involved in doing the recycling. So we have we have to keep pushing forward with solutions that do create a closed loop, as you say, fibre to fibre recycling, not um, textiles into wadding for car seats, all that kind of stuff. And we have to find ways to do it in a way that improves on the footprint of the virgin material. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's, I I also think that um, it's not often said, but I, or maybe it is, but I um, also think we need to be humble. Mm. You know, and we need to be humble. It, it, you know, this, I, you know, one can't be overly exuberant about an innovation, you know, because you're right. In 20 years from now, we find out that we're drinking the plastic that you know came from those bottles that we recycled and uh, and turned it into. So, I think a, a bit of humbleness is uh, is is important. Mm. Yeah, I I agree, and just to keep you know pushing things further and raising the bar, and you know how can we how can we make this better using all the stuff that's in the the checklist in the back of regeneration? You know, is this really healing the future or or stealing it? And just keep asking those difficult questions and looking to see what else can be done to push that forward a bit more towards something that is regenerative. So Stephen, over the course of, of being in business and doing all this really interesting and challenging stuff with Bank and Vogue and Beyond Retro, what surprised you most in the in the process of being in this business? How beautiful the people in the world are. You know, um, the joy of, of uh, the used clothing trade has uh, afforded me the luxury of meeting people all over the world. Um, and um, and that's like, it, it, I, I feel as if Really, clothing is 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 um, you know an, an expression of your your tribe or the or your opinion or your feel how you feel that day, but the luxury of being able to to, to learn about uh, new people, new religions, n- n- diversity. I I've been I feel as if that's one of the greatest gifts. Even uh, and 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 secondly, um, uh, being able to to you know, clothing is, uh, and particularly fashion, on the Beyond Retro side, you have your ear to relevance continually, and that's been a real joy. Um, whether they be political issues or environmental issues or social issues, the the clothes reflect the moment. Um, and um, I don't know. I, I thirdly, I'd, I'd say, uh, you know, learnings from the journey is that. Um, that nothing is perfect, you know, that, that you, uh, you may be well intended, but it has ill intended consequences and a, and a, and a degree of humbleness and honesty about that is important. Mm. So Stephen, is there somebody that you'd recommend as a future guest for the podcast? You know, I, I think, um, uh, you know, fans, um, fans of, of mine, uh, in this, in our space, uh, number one, I'd put uh, up as an example Lloyd Lewis, who runs the ARC of, of Colorado. This is uh, he runs a um, I think 120 stores in Colorado, uh, and he his life story was it, it very quickly was was quite amazing. He was an investment banker making a fortune in New York, and uh, one day they had a child that had Down syndrome. He dropped everything, moved to Colorado. Started working for the ARC, I think 20 some odd years later. Uh, every year he generates $10 million for the children of uh, Colorado with Down syndrome. And he's an example not just of amazing success as a thrift retailer and in the circular economy, he's an example of what social good would uh, use clothes does in our, in our environment. And it, he's an amazing advocate for his organization, but he's an, just a force in of himself. I, I, secondly, I would really recommend, um, you know, uh, 
a Brandon Avery, who's the head of innovation at Converse, who really has uh, really championed, even his group have championed the circular economy and and pushing the boundaries on um, on innovation. I I, I, I think a, a real thought leader in the space and and you know Converse being one of the top brands in the United States, I think it, it just it shows what good thought leadership looks like as a person. Mm. And then thirdly, I'd, uh, I'd, I'd recommend Patrick, the CEO of Renewcell, because he really, as the last in the value chain, and notice that I've got three elements, somebody in the resale business, somebody in the remanufacturing <laughs> business, and then the fiber to fiber. Patrick is out there um, really waving the flag about uh, the possibilities of the circular economy at scale for fiber to fiber recycling. I think those three people are our heroes in this circular economy space. And I'm, I'm proud to say that it, I'm proud in my, one should never be proud. I'm lucky that I've been able to kind of meet these people and, and have our, our mild impact on, on, on what they do. Fantastic. Thank you. Well, that's, that's given me lots of future episodes potentially in the bag. So thank you. And Stephen, if you could wave a magic wand and change just one thing to help make the world better, what would that be? And stop war. Mm-hmm. But that's a really big wand. <laughs> so sticking to my space, <laughs> you know, I, I I do believe that the most important thing for um, for the clothing space is a sustainable um, a market for recycled fibers for brands to to take them on and. Because and I think the magic wand that will come will be from governments who will legislate that a percentage of material will have to be. And they'll either do it through a punitive measure or a positive measure. Uh, there'd be a positive taxation, meaning maybe things mm. will come in at a lower duty rate if they have recycled fibers, or they'll, they'll be taxed higher if they don't have recycled fibers. Um, but I think creating a market for recycled fibers really. Um, in other words, creating a demand for the, for the last in that value hierarchy at scale, I think is really a critical uh, thing. And that has to come, that magic wand will be a government wand that will, will legislate it, I'm sure. Yeah. And maybe the other way of doing it is to put a tax on virgin fibers um, instead or as well to kind of tilt, tilt the, um, the balance. And Stephen, how can people find out more about you, about Bank and Vogue, and about Beyond Retro? Yeah, so I'm I'm, I'm an exuberant LinkedIn person, so by all means, you know, look at uh, Steve Baffle. Um, in, in, well, obviously, our website uh, um, at uh, bankvogue.com, and it, and obviously, in the retail side, uh, beyondretro.com, we we it's an omni-channel business. But really, just you know, come to London, come to Sweden, come to Finland, walk in the stores, and 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 come with your friends and just enjoy a space uh, where we celebrate the possibility of these clothes and, and the impact it can make on that landscape of fashion. Yeah, I, I think I'm I'm looking forward to next time I go to London, which might be in the autumn, to go and go and see a play. Um, I travel into King's Cross from from up here in Yorkshire so I've already made a mental note to go and have a look at the store so thank you Stephen for sharing some of your amazing work I'm so impressed by your systems thinking approach looking at that whole ecosystem trying to be the keystone species and find the best ways to intervene and make the biggest impact so thanks so much and good luck with whatever comes next thank you very much for your time I liked how Stephen talked about preserving the value hierarchy and I loved his analogy of wanting to behave like a keystone species, creating an ecology that's improved his own company's potential to thrive and allowed other beneficial species and subsystems to flourish. As he said, the healthier the overall system, the better your chances of surviving and thriving. So there you go another episode of the Circular Economy podcast. 
Thank you to our inspiring guests this week, Stephen Bethel, and thanks also to Kristen Stewart and Sarah Edinger for making the interview possible. As always, you can find out more about Stephen Bethel, Bank and Vogue, and Beyond Retro, and check out all the other links we mentioned in the show notes at circulareconomypodcast.com. The Circular Economy Podcast is brought to you by Rethink Global, the company I started to help you succeed with Circular. You can find information on my talks, workshops and advice, plus Circular Economy resources at rethinkglobal.info. And you can connect with me, Catherine Wheatman, on LinkedIn. I believe we can all help make the circular economy happen through the choices we make at work and in our everyday lives. Buying pre-used, keeping what we have for longer, repairing it and making sure it has another life. Those choices send strong signals to companies and governments, making it clear we all want a better, circular and regenerative future. We can do better with less. We can all help spread the word too. Talk about the circular economy and help other people find this podcast by leaving us a rating and a review on your podcast app. If you're just starting out with the circular economy, why not check out our Getting Started playlist on the podcast homepage. You could also buy my award-winning book, A Circular Economy Handbook, How to Build a More Resilient, Competitive and Sustainable Business. It takes you through the concepts and practicalities with hundreds of real examples from all around the world. We've made it easier for you to find episodes on the key circular economy strategies or for a market sector or specific countries. Check out the interactive podcast index. There's a link on the podcast homepage at circulareconomypodcast.com. Thanks so much for listening to the end And if you like what you're hearing, please hit subscribe and I'll see you next time.